often do, we are beginning the year by um, stepping back and remembering again what God is calling us to as a church family and what he is up to in our midst. And he's up to a lot, and it is really exciting for us. So we're going to be spending the morning with some conversations woven together with some worship and prayer as a way that is, uh, is framed to, to let us remember again what shapes and directs us as a church family. You remember that our calling as a church comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. God is calling us to live a life of love. There are a lot of things that we are known for and want to be known for. We're Christ-centered, we're biblically grounded, and so on. But the, the thing that we believe that God's calling us to is to be known more for our love than for anything else. And that life of love finds expression in three different directions. God invites us to turn our heart up towards him in a love relationship with him. So loving Jesus is the first part of living a life of love. Then God calls us to turn our hearts in towards each other. So loving his people is another crucial part of expressing the love that we have for God. And then God always calls us to turn our hearts out towards the people he's placed around us in the community and in the world. So pouring his love out on the world is the third crucial part of that. Now, as we've explored this and talked about this and dug into the scriptures connected to this, we believe that there are, are expressions sort of day-to-day -day lived out expressions of each of those dimensions of our calling. And we wanna open those up for you this morning as a reminder that we believe that if we are loving Jesus, loving his people, pouring out his love in the world, there are certain things that the scriptures lead us to believe will just show up in our lives as an expression of those things. And that's what we're going to be unfolding. And you'll get a chance to hear this morning from brothers and sisters who are part of our church family and how those, uh, those are finding expression in their lives. So first, we're having a conversation in the kitchen uh, where we receive our life sustenance as we ground ourselves in worship and prayer and scripture. Then we're going to be moving in the family room. The family room is a place where we share life together, which is such a vital and important part of who we are as the people of God. And then we'll move to the front porch, and that is symbolic of that place of uh, where church meets world, world meets church, uh, kind of a Solomon's portico thing. So uh, come with me, if you would, into our kitchen, and we'll begin our conversation by focusing on uh, how, what loving Jesus looks like and two particular expressions of that, worship and prayer that we do daily and weekly, and then also studying the scriptures. So joining me in my conversation this morning is Katie Schulteis, and I'll give you the microphone, Katie, and Joe Ely. Thank you so much for coming and sharing with us. I so appreciate this. So I'm just going to jump right in, Katie. Describe for us what your, uh, what it looks like for you to go through life living in a posture of worship and prayer. Uh, not, obviously, what we do Sunday morning is crucial and something to which we commit ourselves. But that um, is led into and carried out from in a daily life of prayer and worship. What does that look like for you? Yeah, so um, definitely not done perfectly, but I would say I try to not compartmentalize worship and prayer in my life. So it's something that's really fluid. So 
on the days that I wake up with a posture of yieldingness, and I do try to start my day that way, engaging with the Lord, um, uh, singing or saying a psalm, um, inviting him into my day, and being curious about how he's going to be at work in mine, um, then I want to see him. He's always active. He's always at work. He's um, glorified in his creation and others. So I just want to actively be engaging and responding to what he's doing and be obser observing that and in tune with that. I love that. And, and part of what you're describing is something that's so much different than just like a checklist thing. Right. I did my worship, I did my prayer and I'm on to other things, yes. but you're describing something that's just kind of woven through yeah. every part of your day. Right. And, and you also described a, um, that it kind of starts from and is, and is an expression of a posture of the heart of yes. yieldedness. You want to elaborate on either of those? Sure. So I can miss out on a lot of what God's doing in the day if I don't have a heart of reliance on him and yielding. So um, throughout the day, just being aware of him, engaging with him, worshiping him as I see him actively at work in creation and in the day, um, and, and just uh, being aware of his activity, whether it's with my kids in the morning, getting ready to do drop off at the school or at the grocery store, just really engaging with him um, and being willing to be uncomfortable, being willing to even sometimes even look foolish if I sense that I'm supposed to have a conversation with a stranger. Um, so I can fully see him at work when I choose to engage and yield. And then I can also miss out on opportunities when I have a posture of self-reliance or even being bound to time during the day. So, so um, as you've learned how to kind of live this all day, every day, sort of life of worship and prayer. What what has that meant in cultivating a deeper relationship for you with the Lord? I think I see because he loved me first and I respond to that and loving him. When I see him engaging personally with me in the day, that it increases my love for him and my trust in him. Um, as far as prayer is concerned, there are things that we can pray about for years or decades and we're still waiting to see resolution or movement. But then there's whisper prayers throughout the day where you just need help in the moment and you see him so graciously engage and respond in that in that need and so that strengthens my faith in him it strengthens my love for him and really my trust in him so haven't we all like said i don't really know if he's hearing me or if i'm just talking to space but then when you see him so clearly show up in a personal way you're like wow you totally just answered that so i can trust you even with the big things and the small things like lord where did i put my car keys right and one of the ways that god has spoken to us and speaks to us on a regular uh, basis is also through his word, which is, we, we can be confident is his word to us. Uh, Joe, we talk a lot here about uh, not only our commitment to biblical authority, but that whole idea of not just we place scriptures under us and our scrutiny, but that, but that we are placing ourselves under scripture and letting it have the last word in our lives. Would you describe for us what it has looked like for you to, to, um, to let the scriptures have a central, that sort of central defining place in your life? Well, for me, there's a method that then leads to accomplishing that mm. centrality. Mm. And the method is something that I've been doing for over 20 years now, is that I try to read a, one chapter of scripture every day. And I rotate from one chapter from the Old Testament, one chapter from Psalms and Proverbs, and one chapter from the uh, New Testament. And so every three days, I'm 
getting input from the Old Testament, the wisdom literature, and the story of Christ and the church. And what happens in that is that that regularly has taken me multiple times through the entire Bible. So that's the method. Uh, but as a, as an, a card-carrying engineer, it's easy that for me to get into the nerdy side of that, and it can be, that can become a mechanical checklist. Mm. And, and, that's not, uh, and, and what, I, what I find when I go through that is I'm, I'm really trying to learn who God is. Uh, as Katie described very well, if I, the, the depth that I can grasp God as creator, as rescuer, as redeemer, the, the more wholeheartedly and with, with more depth that I can bow to him and place myself under his, mm-hmm. under his rule and thus respond to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's in, in the, just in that daily pattern, that daily rhythm of reading the scripture, uh, going deep into it, uh, and regularly, not just going to some favorite comfortable passages, mm-hmm. But reading the entire scripture is is uh, has been deeply meaningful for me. So part of what strikes me, Joe, as you share that is, uh, in a, we so often read books for information, and I think there's that temptation for us as evangelicals to approach the scriptures in that way. And I hear you describing something different and deeper than that. Yes, for information, like continuing to familiarize yourself with scripture, but there's a going deeper where um, it seems like there's this integration dimension and then there's this relationship dimension. Could you elaborate on those? Well, you're right, and, that, and that's a good point because I think for many of us as educated individuals, we value education, and so it's easy to, to see this as yet another text. Mm. But the Scripture is far more than a self-help text, even though it does help us, but it is, it is revealing. It is, this is the revelation to us mm. of, of the creator of the universe. And there are times I just sit and say, oh my goodness, I have the opportunity to see what God has chosen to reveal to me of him, knowing that that's a small fraction of who he is and that there's a mystery of God that goes beyond that. But it is placing myself under that and saying, God, who are you? And help me to know you better. And and just to see the, the, the depth, the shape, the nuance, the, the breadth of God's character uh, that he has revealed to us through the scripture is continues to sh- change and shape me as I try to be Christ-like myself. And I love that there's, an, there's a kind of unexpected intimacy to that, isn't there? Yes. And then uh, out of that, I'm hearing you imply that that cannot but help move you in, I'm pointing to you as though you are worship and prayer, you're Katie, but, uh, <laughs> but kind of representing that, it kind of, that, that the more you place, immerse yourself in scripture, the more it moves you to those times of intimate response. It is precisely, and as Katie was sharing very much, and I could talk about the, the prayer elements of that. Now, I'm increasingly, Rob Iman has really helped me to understand praying the word in the last mm-hmm. year. That's been huge. And so that's really uh, had a huge impact in my prayer life as well. Love that. Um, and so, yes, it is that intimacy. It is extremely relational uh, that uh, goes way beyond the... Uh, perhaps the intellectual stimulation that one might get from reading great literature. Awesome. Katie, Joe, thank you. Um, Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for Katie and uh, for Joe and for the examples that they have been willing to hold up before us this morning and bring us into their stories and some of their growth. And uh, Lord, we thank you so much that you are a God who delights to know us and delights to be known by us. And that you are a God who is ever pursuing us and drawing us into deeper and deeper abiding relationship with you. And Lord, we pray together for us as a church family that you would uh, 
allow these dimensions of worship, prayer, and study to be more and more uh, a part of what is woven through our day-to-day life, and that by that, Lord, you would continue to deepen us in uh, our relationship of delight and dependence upon you. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen. Don't you love that picture? I'm so moved by that picture of when we see Jesus, when we fully understand who he is, our reaction to him will be endless praise. Though I can't see him fully now, if I believe that's how I'll act when I do see him, that draws me in to want to love this Jesus more and more. And then I I realize, we've heard about loving Jesus and how that plays out in our life, and I realize who I am as a broken person. I can't do that on my own. I I need others who come around me. It's important in, in this calling, in this pursuit, this journey of living a life of love. We love Jesus and we love his people because we, the people of God, we need each other. So we love his people. I want to invite Javin and Karen to come up and join me. And they have some stories I've invited them to share. One of the ways that we love his people is through building Christ-centered relationships. Christ-centered relationships are relationships in which we see, know, accept, care for, and enjoy one another with the glory of God in view. So these relationships, they're they're for the good of each other and they're for the glory of God. My wife and I and our kids, we're we're blessed to be um, part of a community with a number of other families. Javin and his family are one of those other families. And we meet together occasionally on Sunday afternoons and spend time together and share life with one another. And recently, Javin has felt motivated to organize the guys in that group to meet occasionally for breakfast. And I wanted to hear a bit of Javin's story, have him share it with you. What what motivated you to organize these uh, breakfast conversations? Well, um, it was mostly, I must admit, selfish in nature because I, I really needed community. I, I When we moved here, um, we, we started to get into the church, and then I recently changed jobs, and so I was working at home remotely, and so I was really missing that community. And not just a friendship, but I really didn't have many Christ-centered relationships in my life and just felt really prompted by God to take that step of going out and finding those Christ-centered relationships. And in our group, we have five great, well, four great guys and me, I put it that way. Um, but these four great guys, and I was like, man, I'd really like to get to know these guys better and, and walk through life with them and, and, and through their relationships with Christ, learn more about Jesus. And uh, so, yeah, it just motivated me to reach out. It turns out there's a great little diner on 26, the Country Cafe, which is just the right vibe for us. And um, just, it's really great to do that a couple times a month uh, to get together. So um, when I say Christ-centered relationships, you know, it, it could be that, we, that our relationships are just commonality-centered, and we end up at breakfast talking about, um, you know, our common seasons in life, uh, our common love of uh, sausage um, for breakfast or, or whatever. But, but we, it's not 
um, commonality-centered relationships. It's Christ-centered relationships. Um, so, Javin, how have you sought to, to move the conversation beyond the commonality that we have and to the Christ-centeredness that we have? That's one thing I think is pretty cool about our group is we're very different guys. I mean, we have some commonalities that we all share, but it's not like it's not like we're all in the same field or we all do a lot of similar things, but Christ really is our commonality in a lot of ways. And I think everything we talk about, you know, our families, our kids, um, our work, and just always, I think we've done a good job of, of all of us in the group asking the question, like, how can we be more Christ-like in this area? And then it feels like, you know, every time we take it, somebody's got a turn, right? They, it's they're, they're having a really hard time. And so how do we show up for that person? How do we help point them to what maybe God's doing in their life or how God's called them to be closer to him? And so I think it's, it's focused on that relationship. And what's kind of neat about the group is that, you know, we're not reading a book or we're not studying scripture, but it's great. Like we have church, it feels like in that diner. And, um, you know, I just encourage everybody here, like to find those relationships in your life and really put the time in to build them up. Um, I've been going through a really hard couple months here and you and the group have been just so key to helping me get through that. And like God knew 10 months ago when we started the group that that was coming. Like I didn't know that. Right. And God has just been so good to put these relationships in my life. And we all have these relationships and it just, it takes the, it take it's worth the time and the initiative to go out and to really find these Christ centered relationships that we can build on. Yeah, I know for me, each time I leave our breakfast conversations, I am uh, grateful for my brothers in Christ. I'm spurred on in my walk with the Lord, and and I'm reminded to be praying uh, for uh, you all, and it's a blessing. And you're full. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? With breakfast. Oh, yes, and I'm full. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, uh, you know, we think about it's, it's important for us to build these Christ-centered relationships. And, and part, another one of the ways that we are loving his people is we're serving the church family. Um, Paul says in Ephesians 4.12, he talks about how the church is called to um, engage in works of service so they will build the body of Christ up. I've been so moved recently to be learning more about, to be reminded of the way that Karen has been sharing her gifts and resources and time uh, with this church family to build up this church family. Uh, so Karen, would you share with us a little bit about what is Friendship Class and your uh, role in that group? The Friendship Group, our Friendship Bible Class, is um, a Sunday morning learning community that meets first hour, and it's for um, older teens and adults with varying types of disabilities. We, uh, we have uh, songs and skits and Bible verses and um, multi-sensory Bible lessons, um, and we wear costumes and have props, and we laugh a lot. So you may have heard us down the hall um, just enjoying, enjoying each other's company. And Karen, what motivated you to get that group going and to play a, a significant role in that? Well, years ago, um, our dear sister, uh, Carolyn Moses, uh, was doing a Bible study at the Tippecanoe Villa. And some members um, of her study wanted to come to church with her. And we saw a need um, for uh, just a smaller group um, that could um, 
kind of give each person their own method of responding and, and participating. And so we, I had heard of the friendship program, and um, we began nearly 10 years ago now. Um, and my motivation came from I had something to give because I um, have experience as a speech-language pathologist and retired and um, wanted to use those skills. And also, um, I just firmly believe that um, the church... Our church should be a place of belonging for all, um, and that this people with disabilities and their families are are an underreached group with the gospel. And I wanted to um, reach out. And what's some of the fruit you've seen as you've invested your time in that way? Oh, it's been great. We um, we have a community of um, caring and friendship and acceptance. And that includes our mentors. Um, we just have grown very close. And I have seen people grow in their faith and their, their knowledge of the Bible. Um, prayers are lifted up. Um, and we are learning that we all have something to give. Uh, we have done projects like um, making pot, potted plants to give to bereaved members of our congregation. We have uh, made cards of encouragement. Uh, we have saved money for missionaries. Um, and just the idea that um, we all are part of the body and we're all experiencing God's blessings together. Thank you. I, I love when I think about the, both of these, this as we love his people, we build Christ-centered relationships, we serve the church family. And, and the story that Javin shared about building Christ-centered relationships, that is one of 495 other stories we could share about this church family building Christ-centered relationships. Karen's story is one of 361 other stories we could share about this church family serving the church family. So I, I love to see what God is doing in them, in us, as we seek to love his people together. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your work in us. We need you. We need each other. And you are so gracious to give us one another, to spur one another on, to help us follow you. And you give us each other to be serving one another Father, I thank you for your gifts. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. This God who pours out on us his unfailing love and pursues us in such an amazing way. And really, this morning, we're just telling the story of how God comes to us in love and then bends our, or takes us as, as bent people and opens us up first to himself to respond to him in love, and then turns our hearts in towards one another in the body of Christ to love each other as brothers and sisters, and at the very same time, turns our hearts out towards the world that he's placed around us. Would you two want to come on up here? Uh, we have focused on uh, the, uh, the expressions of, of how we will, um, in a practical and tangible way, live out the, this calling to love. And we come now to the part of this calling that at times can feel scary and at times can feel overwhelming for us, but is as much part of the life that God intends for us. As we pour out our love on God's world, 
One of the dimensions of those that we've talked about often in the past several years is being intentional to reach out and pursue those that God places immediately around us as our actual literal neighbors, the, the people who live on either side of us, in front of us, and behind us. Who are those that God has placed right there, and, and how do I move towards them? And Sarah Bullock is going to be sharing with us about that in just a moment. And then we're also going to be talking about how God invites us to make a difference in his name wherever he takes us into this community and in this world, and to respond to the, the whole uh, panoply of needs that we encounter as we go out into this world. And Frankie is going to be sharing, Frankie Kong is going to be sharing a little bit about that. So Sarah, let's start with, thanks you two, let's start with you describing um, what, what have your efforts to uh, reach out to your neighbors look like? And how would you say that's gone? So yeah, for 20 years, I would say we have been trying to reach out to our neighbors. And some things have gone well. We have um, hosted uh, dinners or a ice cream social. Um, some things haven't gone so well. We tried to do a backyard VBS, and no neighbors came. But we were <laughs> thankful we planned ahead and planted a few kids from our small group. So um, even with these dinners and different and socials, it felt like it was always surface level, always wanting to go deeper, but I would say we never have. And then um, this past spring, everyone started coming out of hibernation and we were seeing each other for the first time in months again. And I noticed so many people were pregnant. There were four women right either across the street or across the alley who had just given birth or were pregnant. And some of them didn't know each other. I was getting all excited, like, oh, do you know so-and-so? Do you? And um, thought, this is a really neat time where people are open and maybe they would be willing to come over. So I uh, bought copies of my favorite parenting book and... Um, gave a copy to each of them, and they came, and we met several uh, Fridays this summer. And I would say within the first five minutes of getting together, we had gone deeper than ever before. Wow. And um, just, it was such a rich entire summer of getting to know each other. So thankful for that. It's so tempting for us, I think, in all parts of our life, including the Christian life, to um, to... to fall into sort of checklist thinking. So reach out to neighbor, check. So basically, if, if that was the, the way you looked at this, you could think in terms of basically, I failed for 19 and a half years to reach out to my neighbors, and then finally something has come about. But I think God calls us to a different kind of long view than that. What, tell me about your how your thinking is formed and thinking about... Um, God's timing and yeah. patience and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. In so many areas of my life, I'm learning to trust him more and more. Wait on his timing and his plans, his purposes instead of my timing. And um, I guess it's not something I ever would have planned ahead for. So I guess I'm always now th asking the Lord, what next? What do you have for us next? I love that. So. And I think... Um, it, it seems like so often with our neighbors in particular, we, we as people who trust God, 
build a relationship in which our neighbors come to trust us, but it may just not go anywhere for a long time. And then suddenly some event happens that kind of cracks that open and lets us suddenly go to that deeper level. So that's a beautiful picture of that. So one more question before we go to Frankie. What, um, there, I, there's a line in one of Paul's letters, I think it might be in Philemon in one translation, it says something like, may you be, um, may God encourage you as you share your faith with others. That, that picture that, that um, as I'm working hard to be intentionally reach out with others, it's a way that God blesses me as I do that. How has he blessed you as you have put yourself in that place of uh, Availability. Yeah, well, like this summer was definitely a highlight, and I'm just so grateful. But there was, um, a, there has been a continued sense of trust and wait on the Lord, and do what He calls you to day by day, and trusting Him with that. So, Frankie, uh, we could easily have had you in this conversation over here as well. Uh, we see you beautifully serving the church family through your gifts uh, by serving as an elder and also giving leadership to World Welcome. Uh, but in my conversations with you, I've also really been encouraged and challenged by your intentionality uh, to, to seek to make a difference right where God has placed you. Um, we, we've talked, you know, Covenant Family, we've talked about um, God, there, there are so many different needs and opportunities in our community. So maybe where I go to school, God's calling me to be intentional or where I live out my vocation. It might be that I join with one of our mission partners like Trinity Mission or LUM or Salvation Army and, and engage in a difference making way there or, or maybe find some uh, justice need that needs to be addressed in our community and, and put myself in a place of advocacy. There, there are so many different ways, or be involved in missions beyond this community. Uh, so I'd like to explore with you specifically, how, how have you been intentional as you think about your vocation um, to try to make a difference where God has placed you? Yeah, and I'm still learning about it every day. Um, five years ago, God has called me to be at Purdue to start my job as assistant professor in psychology. Um, and there are two major responsibilities in my role. Uh, one is research and one is teaching. Um, and I think through my uh, role as a teacher, often I have the privilege to interact with a lot of students from different backgrounds. And as you might know, we have more than 50,000 of students joining Purdue uh, this year. Um, so a lot of times students would come to me and talk about their grace, but uh, when I cooperate with God to really listen into what their needs are, oftentimes the reason why they're coming to talk to me wasn't really about the grades. It's about things that they're going through. It might be that their parents are not talking to each other anymore. It might be some health issues that they're experiencing. Or maybe just that they need someone to talk to to figure out whether that's the the major that they're in is really what they're interested in. And I have been learning to um, listen through the lens of how I can support the students. And oftentimes, um, outside of my office, um, also collaborate with campus ministry partners on campus to provide further supports that students would need. Um, the other aspects is, in my research, I'm fortunate to have the freedom to choose pretty um, flexibly the kind of thing that I, I, I can study. And for a while, I was really interested in learning about how um, seeing Jesus' heart and what we learn from the Bible can help us understand how we can interact with other people better. So the idea of wisdom came about, and there's some work from my lab that we're trying to understand how wisdom applied in people can help us 
uh, navigate differences? How can we disagree without hate and also be more kind to people mm. who are different from yeah. us? Um, so still learning that there is, uh, I see that God has been using uh, my work as a context yeah. to teach me how to uh, let him be the driver of what I do. I love that. Inevitably, as we try to be intentional to um, make a difference in our world, we're, there are going to be some um, collisions of different perspective and different approaches and different values. And uh, those can really be costly and uh, can cause us to question and, and be painful for us. How has, how has God met you and encouraged you in the midst of the cost of making yourself uh, available in these kinds of ways? Yeah, that's a challenging question, but a really um, important question, I think. Um, as a psychologist, um, I can tell you that people really don't like things or other people that are different from them. Uh, we reject people who think differently. Um, we put labels on them. And often we just call them weird. Like, why would you do things in this way that is different from my own? Um, as a Christian in a non-Christian work context, sometimes get, that can be how I or uh, many of us here would feel. And on top of that, um, growing up in Hong Kong and being the only person living here and speaking, being the only person in my family that speak English and finish high school and being a professor now, I think there's a lot of things that I still am learning. And maybe those are things that people don't understand where I'm coming from. Um, and I think... Trying to be a Christian in a non-work context can be challenging, and sometimes um, God has used that context to teach me to rely on him even more. Um, so there was a time, I admit that, um, when I was using my own strength to love others at work, um, I was falling into depression, and the, the thoughts that surround my head were like, why did I do this? Why are people thinking that I'm weird? Um, why do people not understand that you don't need to like people to love people? Um, and, and it was at that time that um, God spoke to me in a prayer that he said, um, you're not weird. You are, you are rare. It is challenging for us to live out the way that God has created us to be in a context that might not you know, people might not see God. Um, so, but that thought has completely changed how my perspective is and how I interact with others at work. Uh, one example is that knowing that uh, like people at work can have different background and differences, I try to um, be more engaged in creating a more inclusive environment through uh, my involvement in service and also creating both physical and psychological space for international students, elevating marginalized voices and have them have a space that they can be seen and understood. Um, and ultimately, this is not about us who can create this space and ultimately the source of our love is really from God and I just really want people to see that. Reiki and Sarah, thank you. Would you all pray with me? Lord, with, um, with every part of ourselves that, um, that we can uh, muster up and return back to you, we say yes to this invitation, not only to pursue you in our worship and study life and, and to love one another, but um, to allow ourselves to be poured out 
as ones representing you in this world, Lord. And uh, we thank you for the privilege that we have of, of being rare in this world, of, of uh, living signpost lives that point past ourselves to you. And we pray that you would allow that to be the case more and more for each of us individually and for all of us together as a church family as we seek to live a life of love. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Thank you.